Hello, and welcome to Primary Sources, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System, where we focus on people making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas. Some you might have heard of, and some you haven't heard of, but probably want to know about. Check out cals.org slash podcasts for more Primary Sources interviews. From 1959 to 1961, George McKenney helped lead the Arkansas Razorbacks to three shared or outright Southwest Conference championships in football, getting new coach Frank Broyles off to a good start. He sat down with a teammate from his freshman year, U.S. District Judge Billy R. Wilson, to recall some of the great moments in Arkansas sports history, with support from Jim Rasco of the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. It was said of McKinney, he couldn't run, he couldn't throw, all he knew how to do was win. George, uh, we met over 60 years ago at Fedville in the late, either in late August or early September when we were both freshmen at, uh, at the University of Arkansas at Fedville. Both lived in Wilson Sharp House. Uh, you weren't born in Texarkana, even though that's where you came play football from. Tell us where you were born. Well, I was born in Mansfield, Arkansas, Bill. Of course, you were, you were in Waldron, and so you know where that is. Uh, in fact, I was born in my grandmother, the front bedroom of my grandmother's house. Unfortunately, yeah. you were born on the Sebastian County side of uh, Mansfield rather than the Scott County side. And then you moved to Texarkana when? Well, we moved there when I was three years old, so uh, my daddy could go to work at Red River Arsenal. That was during the war. And they, were, they had the Red River Arsenal and Lone Star Ordnance. They were both in the manufacturing jeeps and tanks and bombs and things like that. So the, I was three years old when we moved to Texarkana. And how old were you when your daddy passed away? I was uh, 11 years old when daddy passed. 49? Uh, December 9, 1949, yes. All right. And you went to the school there in Texarkana, Texas then? Yes, I went to elementary school. And then I went to junior high, and then I went to Texas County, Texas Senior High. I played for the Texas High Tigers. When did you start playing organized sports? Was it junior high? Well, it was actually the sixth grade. We uh, we had a guy, a coach, that was uh, he was on the high school staff, I think, and um, he, he, Coach Myers, who, I mean, Coach Waddy Myers is a, in that area. In our How do you spell Waddy? W-A-D-D-Y. Now, I never called him Waddy. He was Coach Myers all my life. I wouldn't dare call him Waddy. He was... He was a uh, people that are familiar with Wilson Matthews. In uh, our minds, the ones that played for Coach Myers, he was Wilson Matthews times, I don't know how many, a bunch. But anyway, if you stayed and played for him, he got you. He, he prepared you to for the next step in college. All right, but did you play junior high sports? Play, we played junior high football, basketball, and uh, no, I don't remember playing junior high baseball, but uh, the seventh grade, we in eighth grade, we played probably three games a year, and and since you know we're on the state line, and Arkansas, Texas County, Arkansas High is right across the line, so we played Arkansas Junior High a couple of times, and uh, they had another Junior High that was uh, North Heights that went to the eighth grade, and we played them, and then in the ninth grade, we played a district schedule just like the high school team did. We played nine or ten ball games a year. All right, and then you went. You played under Coach Waddy uh, Moore at Myers at uh, 
Texarkana, Texas High. At Texas, yeah. In the ninth, were Tigers. At, at tenth grade, right. Sophomore, yeah. junior, and senior year. And you played quarterback? Played quarterback, played behind James Monroe, who played for the Arkansas Razorbacks in 1959. And at that time, I played behind him in college. Yeah. All right. Did you start after Mon? Were you the starting quarterback for Texarkana after? Uh, after Monroe, Monroe graduated, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. All right. Did you play basketball in high school? Played two years. I played my sophomore year and my senior year. I didn't play my junior year. Did you play baseball? Played baseball, yes, three years. Yeah. Know, it, uh, what positions did you play in baseball? Uh, in high school, I played third base. I yeah. think they called it the hot corner. Uh, and then, and, well, that's about, yeah, I played baseball. Uh, was a pretty fair baseball player. but. And you had offers from other schools, but uh, yeah. you decided to go to Fedball. I decided to go be a Razorback. You know, we played uh, Arkansas High Razorbacks three years, and I never in my mind thought that I would ever be a Razorback. They were our, you know, they were our enemies or whatever, our, and it just didn't enter my mind until we got into the recruiting process, and um, it wound up, number one, uh, it was kind of where my roots were, but I had more people call me on the phone and come up to me and talk to me from the Arkansas side of Texarkana, encouraging me to go to Arkansas. Said, you know, they would tell me things. Said, you know, you go to Texas, you'll just be a number. Uh, they're signing 10, 12 quarterbacks, which they did that year. And uh, of course, they would tell me Arkansas is only going to sign three. When I got up there, you know, we got up there, Wilson Sharp, there there were more than three quarterbacks. <laughs> uh, thank goodness they moved some of them to another position. Do you regret going to Arkansas? I never Texas? regret. Been the best times of my life uh, in sports, and uh, it was the best time in other things that we're surely not going to talk about here, but uh, I enjoyed it. I loved it. I loved uh, the, the people I met, the teammates I had, uh, and, you know, like you say, you were a uh, roommate of my good friend David Carter who came up with me from Texarkana and I was a roommate with Bo Huffman and after all these years we still get together all the four of us and uh, at a game some game in Fedville and uh, what year did you room with Billy Tranum who made all Southwest Conference I, I think it was the semester I was coming off of academic probation that's his own record I don't know they don't want to say that <laughs> but they Tranum, of course he was he, he was a student also Top and, student. Uh, and, and he became an oncologist went to medical school and they felt like that that his skills would rub off on me well I guess they did a little bit I got off academic probation and made some fair grades but I also I didn't disturb Billy uh, I didn't, have, you know, have anybody in the room. I didn't play any music. Uh, slept a lot. Slept a lot. <laughs> and it wasn't noisy, so and he would come in with, from the child hall. We'd come down after we ate dinner, and he would, uh, I'd go hit the sack because I was tired. I was worn out. Practice just really, I, I was tired from practice. And so he got to study. He'd turn on that lamp he had on his desk, and uh, he would study until about 11 o'clock or midnight. Then he'd go to bed. He'd be up the next morning, five or six o'clock, going down, taking a shower. And I'm stumbling around, and he's already going up to eat breakfast and going to class. Yeah, he's class act. Great guy, great man. Great guy. All right, let's go back to when we got to, to Fedville in the fall of '57, <clears throat> and uh, 
our first day of uh, practice, we scrimmaged a varsity. You remember that? Yeah, I do very well. Yes. <laughs> did we do well against them? I don't know how you did, but uh, the first play they ran, I was uh, playing safety. Now there are other, you know, John Dermott. He tells the same story I do, so maybe he came in after my one play because the first play they ran was a trap play, and Gerald Nesbitt, it was a trap play. Gerald Nesbitt, the fullback, got the ball. It was wide open, and all of a sudden Nesbitt and McKinney are eyeballed, eyeballed, and he knocked me flat on my back, ran his cleats up my body, and I don't remember any more like that. Dermot might have come in, but he said the same thing happened to him. You know, Dermot still has a bad neck. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he, came, he was real fast, unlike yeah. you. And he came up, Nesbitt got, and on that occasion, I remember it because I had hit Nesbitt as he came off tackle. And I was laying on the ground with my helmet turned sideways. And uh, <clears throat> I saw Dermot hit him, and Dermot, it reminded me of the coyote and the uh, roadrunner. Road runner, yeah. Remember that coyote used to run into a yeah. cliff, and then Dermot hit him straight out right in the chest. Next thing you know, Dermot was crumpled up on the ground, and Esbert was going on down. He was a man above boys. Well, he was. Well, he was out of a unit. Had been in the Marines and was a, a little bit bigger and older, but it wouldn't matter. And you was, know, he was muscled up and yeah, tough. Yeah, and a good guy off the Always field. Oh, super. So good person. Good person. Yeah. We had good seniors. We had. I remember we uh, went up there, and Billy Michaels came up to, uh, and got me and David Carter, and he took us out to eat. Yeah, our first Sunday there, and uh, took us over to the, the what was it, down on, uh, oh, it was uh, Blue Mill, was that the name of one of them? Or yeah. Something like that, yeah, there was a restaurant down Billy there. Billy Michaels took me and you and David was, Carter and was, somebody else us? to uh, see Fedville High School play a game. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, they were just I mean, really yeah, good to us. In those days. Uh, the only person out there when we scrimmaged a varsity that could have stayed there with them was Wayne Harris. Was Wayne Harris pretty good? No, no, not, not pretty good. When we we won't go there. You know, you and I have a secret about Wayne Harris uh, that we won't go there. I, I understand. Thank you. <laughs> yes, sir. Your version is exaggerated, yeah. so don't tell it. And, uh, uh, your memory is exaggerated. <laughs> In fact, it's blank. But we won't go there. Wayne Harris was not only was a great football player; he was a great person, a humble person. He never talked a lot, and he was just oh, when you. When he was there, of course, he I redshirted, so he left a year earlier than me. But when he was linebacker and uh, I was playing safety, you know, you really didn't worry about anything, especially the run, because he's going to make the tackle, unless, you know, rarely did anybody block him. You know. Coach McKenzie made the statement, if you want to know where the ball is, watch Harris. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Harris was, uh, of course, he made All-American. Made All-American. Canada and was all pro up there several years, and they did. They commemorated a stamp with his likeness on it. Yeah, they they did that, Bill. But also, in 2009, when we had the 59 team reunion, uh, I was talking to Ann, his wife, and talking to Wayne, and they she didn't know whether he could come or not because they had just the it's the Calgary Sun Times, whatever the name of the newspaper, they were had done a poll, a vote to the greatest Calgary Stampeder of all time. And they were waiting. Well, I think they'd already gotten the results. And Wayne had been retired since 1972, I believe, and he was selected. The runner-up was, uh, who was the quarterback through the hail, Mayor Doug Flutie? 
Yeah. Doug Flutie, a quarterback, was second, but Wayne Harris was uh, selected as the greatest Calgary Stampeder of all time. The best he, open field tackler it, that I've it ever just, seen. Just unbelievable. And Harold Horton, who played with him, was a freshman with us yeah. and coached everywhere. He said that Wayne was the best. Best he ever saw. Open, yep. uh, yeah. open field tackler. You couldn't juke him. And he weighed 185 pounds. Yeah. You know, but he's all muscle. Yeah, right. everything. He's well. You know, his nickname was Thumper, and uh, his high well school deserved. coach gave him that. I think. Well deserved. Yeah. All right, let's go back and start. We, uh, you won the starting position on the freshman team. Yeah, it was and kind of by uh, John Dermott was second. The other, yeah, it was injury to the guy that was ahead of me. Uh, and, but that, I'll take it. You know, any, well, any way you can. John had been in the Marines. You know, uh, Dermott so, had. Yeah, he'd he'd, he'd he'd gone through spring practice before we were freshmen really? out there. Yeah, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Didn't well, know he that. and he was fast, as you'll remember. He yeah. lettered in track, and uh, and he's a fine fella too. Oh yes, he is. Good guy, yeah. good student. Yeah. All right, you were the starting quarterback, and I did a good job of holding the bench down on either end. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> I won't argue that point with you. <laughs> and, uh, and then we, we uh, what kind of record we have as freshmen? We know? were three and one, three and one. Uh, who beat us? Was that SMU? Tulsa? Tulsa, Tulsa. Beat us. Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I caught a pass and thought I was in the end zone. I don't know where you were. Well, it was kind of raining and cold. I think it was like ten degrees. And uh, I, I thought caught that pass either from you or Dermot. I thought I was in the end zone. I relaxed. Somebody cut me too, and the ball went fifteen feet in the air. And fortunately, Harris covered it. Okay, okay. So I didn't okay. damage it. I was fixing to say, did we score off of that? Uh, uh, I don't remember whether we scored or not. But I they didn't. only beat us about six points. Yeah. You know, that might have yeah. been the winning touchdown. Yeah, Bill Pace was our head <laughs> yeah. coach. Yes, he was. Was Steed White our Steed White second? was uh, uh, the line coach, yes. Yeah, sir. and uh, you remember Olin Burns? Yeah, he was he a graduate coach. Yeah, he was so a so student right, coach. Right. Fine fellow. Yes, sir. Retired to uh, right. Malvern. Yeah. You know, by, friend the, of mine. by the time we got to Tulsa, that was our last game, we had uh, – you know, back in those days, they would give 45 to 50 scholarships. And uh, a lot of the guys that saw that they weren't going to play and whatever had left school, you know, we had a fullback, if you remember, named Don Cron, was 6'4", about 220, from Hevener, Oklahoma. He could run like a deer, and he had gone home three weeks ago, so we didn't have him on the field. And uh, so we had several that Well, that we played work. in Fort Smith, and after that game was over, Don got dressed and went to Hevener. Yeah, he, he, he quit. He, he packed his bag. And he was yeah. probably a good athlete. Oh, well, I mean, you know, he's like a guy that today he would be, uh, you know, he's the one you want to come off the bus first because yeah. he was a 6'4", he's trim, and, uh, but he just uh, – he didn't coming from a small school. I think never went to class. Right? Yeah, he did. I think it was a little no, bit he, too much for him. We yeah. we formed some good friendships back there, and we had a, a '57 Schott reunion here in Little Rock. Was yep. that about ten years ago? Right, right. And we were able to contact everybody except Joe Richards from Tulsa. Couldn't find out where what had happened to him and. Uh, Bush was John. Was his name John? John Bush, a tackle from Hot Spring. Hey, I'm not, I can't remember. See, those guys that didn't stay around, you know, you kind of— Well, he stayed Bush graduated. Bush did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, Joe Richard left after yeah, a freshman yeah. year. I don't know what happened to him, but uh, Bush was a good student, engineering student. Okay. Now, Gary Bush? Gary, so we had Gary? We had uh, 30 or 40 people there at our reunion. Yeah, had a nice group. 
Wayne Harris was there. Wayne, Wayne Harris was there. Was there. And Gerald Williams. Yeah, Gerald Williams and and uh, Billy Moore came by. By yep. the way, and he yeah. wanted to see Harris, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, did you stay out at my house? Some of you. Yeah, did. we did. Me and Carter, David Carter, and and, uh, and uh, Wayne Harris, and John the yeah. end. John. Uh, he was from. Oh, uh, from Wichita. Yeah, Lancelot. John, John Lancelot. Lancelot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Had a good time. Yeah, sure did. Enjoyed All it. Right. Bo couldn't stay out there because he's allergic to animals or something. Yeah. <laughs> He's That's afraid, what he said. He's afraid of your mules, I think, you know. <laughs> and now you and Bo Huffman and Bill May, we've uh, got him in our bunch. Yeah, he wanted to be part of our us. class. You know, he just didn't make it in time. So. <laughs> Don Cronister. Yes, sir. I mean, Don, uh, uh, let's see, who who gets together with us now? Bo Huffman, you, me, Carter. And Bill May. Yeah, that's a that's And a, uh, Gerald Williams. Gerald always, always because he gets and a John sweat. Dermott comes down. John comes up. Yeah, they're, they're all of them just all of a sudden becoming, you know, they want to be part of the group. Hell, we're famous. You, you know, can't blame <laughs> them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, you redshirted your sophomore year. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I was academically in. You don't have to talk <laughs> but tell everything. <laughs> well, hey, everybody knows it. it uh, everybody knows it. It's it's too long ago anyway, but I did. Well, at the time, I thought I was going to be an engineer. James Monroe was an engineer, and he said I could do it, and whatever Monroe said, I believed. And so I thought, well, I'll take industrial management, which is part business and part engineering. And uh, that freshman year, my first semester, I, I passed trigonometry, which I didn't have in high school, and I passed algebra. And which I had in high school, and uh, I was pretty much knew about those subjects right there. But then I got into my spring, and I was I had something like the slide rule, uh, the one-hour course, and I had the calculus was a three-hour course. And anyway, I started out carrying about 14 hours, and then I dropped a couple of courses and flunked a couple, and. The rule in the Southwest Conference, you had to pass nine hours to be eligible the next fall. And I think I didn't I didn't make it. Uh, <laughs> let's just say that. And I uh, found out I wasn't going to be an engineer. <laughs> so um, anyway, yes, I redshirted. And that was a bad, worst year to redshirt ever. And then the, the next year, you played behind Monroe. Monroe. <laughs> was that still in the, where you had to... Uh, they didn't have free substitution. Well, yeah, no, they, they they had some kind of rules. They had some, um, I think they called them wild cards. They loosened it a little bit. You, you took your best players, and you could, and of course, our best players then were Jim Moody in 59, Lance Allworth, and Wayne, Wayne Harris. Harris. Yeah. So those guys were the wild cards. Anybody else, as I remember it, if you came out during the quarter, you couldn't go back in until the next quarter. Yeah. So they had one person over there managing all of these substitutions and who'd gone in and who hadn't. And uh, anyway, yeah, I was behind Monroe, just like high school again. You know, Monroe was a— <laughs> All right, were you the starting quarterback the next year? I was the starting quarterback. And People the year after that, were you the starting quarterback? I was quarterback? the starting quarterback. People don't believe it, you know— uh, Ronnie Max Smith says, you played with Billy Moore? Yeah, I said, yeah. He said, and he was ahead of you, right? And I said, no, he wasn't. Uh, he, he got to be a senior now when I was gone, and he made All-American. <laughs> the only quarterback from Arkansas to ever be an All-American. Yeah. And he also, now I think, uh, I heard this the other day, he led the Southwest Conference in rushing, and he's the only quarterback to ever lead the Southwest Conference in rushing. You know, I've heard Frank, uh, Coach Frank Brawls. Of course, one of the things of 
you know, Mac Glover, Judge Mac Glover, who had the idea about this, he said in the late 50s and in the uh, in the early 60s, it wasn't but two subjects people talked about, and that was Orville Faubus and the Razorbacks. <laughs> and then also, you know, as I think it's important that uh, for sports in- interested people to know about Coach Broyles' his first years there. And when we went there, uh, uh, Jack Mitchell was the head coach, but Coach Broyles came from Missouri in January. That's and right. we went That's through right. spring practice under Coach Broyles. Right. Went through an off season program for the first time. That, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. On that dirt yeah. uh, field, uh, and then whatever we, it was. You know, I came back and went through two a day my right. sophomore year. Yes, sir. Yeah, we've always that, questioned that decision. You know, you went on to be a, a graduate of Hendricks and a, an attorney and a distinguished uh, federal judge, and yet you came back knowing probably you weren't going to stay and went through spring and went through the fall training. Went through the two a days. Got which, your tail knocked off. <laughs> and, uh, well, see, I was fighting to get on the third team, which in those days, third team got yeah, to you got travel, travel with the team yeah. and everything. And yeah. I made it one day. And then uh, the and we had six teams then. I yeah. mean, we oh, had yeah. all yeah. kinds yeah. of yeah. people. They, were, uh, they went down and, to the green shirts. When, I, when the red shirt list came out and I was on it, I was on, I was in hitchhiking to Hendricks at that right after I mean you the same su- day back in the shuffling your suitcase down yeah. the hall wasn't you yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, and then you went on and and uh, Coach Brawls what was the record there his first year first year it was nine and two I think uh, wasn't nine and nine six and, and four. Oh, he the lost. first year, the first year. I'm not I'll talk about the yeah, first year. Yeah, he lost the first six yeah, games oh, yeah, and yeah. won the last That's four. That's 1958. Four and what? Four and six. Four and six. Four and six, yeah, yeah. They beat A&M. Was what, the first. lost the first six and they won the last four. Yeah. That's right. Wouldn't that be six and four? No, it'd be four, four and six. six. You won four okay. and lost six. Okay, I I couldn't remember. But at any rate, they not go in front of him. <laughs> he won the last four games. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. And that's I remember right. that somebody was talking about go to a bowl and Fred, Freddie Akers said, who ever heard of a – team that won just won four games going to a bowl and they didn't go all right the next year when you were the second string quarterback and monroe was starting who who uh what was the record that that year yeah, let's see we lost to old miss in texas and then we beat georgia tech in the gator bowl so it would have been uh nine and two overall nine and two yeah. and uh where were you ranked at the end of the season? Well, we, I, we were in the top ten. We were eighth or some. You know, Mr. Rasco would know more about. It. We were in the top ten. I know yeah. that for three years we were in the top ten. The next three yeah. years. Then the next year, what was your record? Your first year as a starter. Uh, my first year as a starter. Okay, that was we lost to Baylor, and we lost to Ole Miss, and we lost to oh my gosh, we lost to Duke. Duke who? Well, they said Duke who and was then, that in the bowl game? It was or? in the Cotton Bowl. We were we were outright Southwest Conference champions. Yeah, in 1960. Okay, nine and two again. That what were they ranked? In the top ten. You were in the top ten top again. 10, uh, yeah. Top ten. Uh, one, one, I don't remember the times. We were like we were eighth. We were sixth. Maybe we were fifth somewhere in there. But yeah. we, you know, yeah. we uh, we played Ole Miss in uh, Little Rock. A lot of people remember that game on the, the field goal attempt uh which wasn't good was good and wasn't good and whatever but anyway Ole Miss when they came down there and they missed uh what was that 10 to 7 yeah three points yeah they were no they were ranked number one when they came in there you know well you know uh for years I mean uh, when I came back I'd gone to college law school and been in the navy and 
and came back and practicing law here in Little Rock. I, I was in the I would stop a diner there in Lake Village, and they had the nineteen. Uh, what year was that? 1960. 1960. And they still had Arkansas 7, Ole Miss 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't recognize yeah, I thought he missed it. I thought he, I was on the field, and uh, I was basically, uh, I thought I could block it or going to try, and I did, which uh, I didn't even get close, but I was in the middle of the field basically when well, he. Lewis Norman, my first wife's uh, stepdad was there, and he, he said it was not good, and he was pretty objective. Mm. But in the end, it, it got called good, and that's, that's yeah, the end Well, of the it. first one they tried, you know, the whole story is the first one when Ole Miss lined up and they got ready to kick it, of course, there's another rock and the crowd's going crazy as loud as they can be. Well, the referee, a guy named Tommy Bell, for some reason he thought the noise was bothering the offensive team. So he blows his whistle and calls timeout. Well, nobody can hear him, and, and they snap the ball, and they kick it right at through the middle. I mean, it was good. But he'd blown the ball dead. So then they came back and they kicked again. And the, the minute he toe touches the ball, Tommy Bell goes with his hands up, you know. Okay. And I'm saying. 100% accurate. You know, it, 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 I, I saw the ball go off. And I'm coming off the field. I'm jumping up and down. I'm so happy we tied them, you know. Yeah. Hell, they were number one, in, they're number one in the nation. And Coach Dickey said, uh, good game, George. Tough luck. I said, tough luck? What tough? And I looked at that scoreboard, and it was 10 to 7. I thought, uh, no. Uh, but, you know, that happens. That's football. Uh, he made you know, up for it, and it should have been good anyway. But. I remember at the end of Coach Brawl's first year when it was 4 and 6, uh, people were saying he wasn't going to make it. Said he was, and I mean they got down on him quick. Oh really? They do that. That's yeah. football. Yeah. yeah. It's even yeah. worse today, Bill. You know it's a and uh, yeah. Well, that's right. And uh, but I would say he redeemed himself after that. Mm. What's your opinion of uh, Coach Rawls as a coach and athletic director? Well, as far as a coach, which I'll take out to me, he was as different as what I'd ever been around. My high school coach was, like I say, he was like Wilson Matthews. Every other word was. Uh, wasn't dang it was something else you know and uh coach Brawls and most of his staff doug dickey he had doug dickey that year jim mckenzie uh, he had uh steed white steed white and wilson matthews and uh let's see what the big guy that uh jim mckenzie 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 uh, but there was another one uh no, he, that was way later. No, yeah, there's one we're not naming. Now, he, Dixie, uh, Dixie White. Dixie, Dixie White. White. He yeah. was offensive line coach, yes. Yeah. But anyway, right. those guys, you know, I mean, especially Coach Broyles and Doug Dickey, and uh, Merrill Green was a backfield coach also. Yeah. I mean, they never – I never heard them say a uh, curse word. I never heard them say anything but maybe doggone it or – uh, something like that, you know, and and they were all positive. Everything they said that came out of their mouth was positive, you know, and it was just a breath of fresh air. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it made that they were smart. Uh, Jim McKenzie, who designed, I think, probably the monster defense. You know, we weren't as big as TCU. We weren't as big as A and M. Any of the teams we played, they all of them, if you look at them across the – and you had to pick a team, you'd pick most of that other team, not us. But the defense where we slanted and did some stunts, they they couldn't figure it out, and they weren't quick enough to to block us. So, And, you know, Coach Brawls was uh, 
uh, able to uh, in, uh, was able to get people, wealthy people, to back the program, yep. like the Stevens here and and the people in Northwest Arkansas. He was he was good at that. He well, was, that's what you have to have. You got to be able to to travel yeah. to recruit well, you to get he, out of the state of Arkansas. It takes money to to go and everything, and that's that was what they you know, they spread out. Coach Balls was had a, a good IQ, and he was a he was a three sport letterman. Oh yeah, you know, he, was, he was Georgia great, Tech. great athlete at Georgia Tech, yeah, and no. he 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 majored and graduated in industrial management. You know, I didn't know that at the time because I was just looking at Monroe. But uh, yeah, yeah, he was a, he was, he was a, a smart uh, man, smart man. He was a, a, a very successful, no right, doubt about yeah. that. Very positive. Uh, uh, every every coach we had, you know, man, uh, there wasn't any negative, uh, like you know, saying, "Well, you look like this, or you play like so and so." Or, uh, you well, know, Wilson so. Matthews came up there, and he wasn't exactly. No, uh, he, and I didn't see it. Coach Wilson didn't coach me, so I never heard that. From well, he him. did me, <laughs> and I didn't like him. <laughs> no, no, you. Uh, it, it, uh, we later became friends, you know, it, good yes, friends. Sir, you As a matter of fact, we're shirt tail cousins. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and uh, both of us were pretty active in the cemetery association out north of Adkins, where his people yeah, and my people buried. are buried. Yeah, and, yeah. and uh, yeah. I told him, uh, "This is about you," but I got to tell this story about Matthews. I, uh, he started after his wife died. He dated uh, my, Kathy Compton's aunt, okay. whose husband had died up at Fedville, and. We went out to eat, and I told Coach Matthews, you know, I said, I left Fedville because I couldn't stand to be in the same county with you, and here I'm going to be buried six feet from you <laughs> and spend eternity right next to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He, he liked that. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, uh, then you when did you tried out for one of the professional teams, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I, uh, I was um, – you remember our trainer, of course, everybody does, Bill Farrell. We call him Groundhog. 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 Well, you know, he came to Arkansas from Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah. Uh, back when they had the pro coach, the, uh, uh, John Barnhill. Otis Douglas. Otis Douglas. And, of course, uh, Granny stayed. And, uh, well, anyway, I, you know, got uh, my last year was uh, 61. And then I, uh, so season's over, and uh, Granny calls me. Uh, we're up in the dorm at Wilson Sharp. And, he said to come down to his office. He wanted to see me. Well, you know, anytime he got called down to the office, it wasn't good. It it's wasn't nothing bad. Was, nothing was good about it. And I, why does Granny, you know, want to see me? Uh, I could maybe know about the coaches. But anyway, I went down there, and so he had sitting in his office. It wasn't very big, but uh, he said, uh, you know, he had that accent. I can't imitate him, but you know, his George, you know, said, uh, "What are you going to do when you get out of school?" I said, "Well, I think I'm going to coach, Granny." He said, well, okay. He said, uh, you ever thought about pro football? And I think I remember I kind of laughed. I said, Granny, I'm not fast enough to play the, in the pros, and I don't think I can throw the ball well enough. Why do you ask? He said, well, uh, and he gave me the name of the coach, Bucko Kilroy of the Philadelphia Eagles. He was a scout. He probably, when he played, I looked him up. He was one of the meanest players in a national football, he's a guy that would bite you. Uh, he would hit you in the place you didn't want to be hit. Anything, you know, he was the dirtiest, they called him. But anyway, he was a scout for the Eagles, and he said, Bucko Kilroy, the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, they want to draft you. But 
they call me and they they don't will not draft you unless they're sure you will show up i said well granny you know it's probably better for them and for me at uh, you know it's a waste of time for both of us i really don't think i want to go that route i've got some hours i need to get to graduate and uh i just don't think so and granny so uh, probably some of the best advice i got from granny over the years he said well think about this george said you're going to be a coach said if you go up to philadelphia and you don't make it then you know you tried and you can put it behind you but if you go up there and you make it and i think this is probably i said it in reverse order if you go up there and you make it you'll get us a you'll make some pretty good money that you can stash away and have it for a little uh uh, uh, uh he had a term for it but you know a little bank account there that you can depend on later on and you'll get some experience, something that you might be able to use if you coach, when you coach football, whether it's high school or college. And then uh, and he and said, you know, you'll be around the pros and see how they operate and so forth. And then he said, if you if you go up there and you don't make it, you can put it behind you, come back, you're going to do what you were going to do anyway. And uh, he said, plus they want to give you a signing bonus and so forth. And I said, oh, okay, a signing bonus. If I don't make it, I've still got a little money out. I said, okay, Granny, if they want to do that, you know, it's fine with me. Uh, yet, uh, you know, I still thought they were making a mistake. But anyway, so I went to a training camp. I, I got a $1,500. We paid in a bowl game after the Alabama game. Me and Collier, Jimmy Collier, and, uh, wow, there was one more. I'm not sure who it was. It was the U.S. Bowl in Washington, D.C. Dudley? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure. It might have been. Got them in, but that was the only year they ever had. I think they. Uh, we, oh, okay. Uh, let's see. It was uh, Collier was added. Okay, Jimmy Collier was added to the new, newly, newly formed U.S. Bowl roster for the game at Washington D.C. on January seventh. He'll join guard Dean Garrett, tackle John Childress, and quarterback George McKinney. And then when it goes on to Lance Allworth, will play in Honolulu. At the Hula Bowl, Dudley moves into Mobile for the Senior Bowl, et cetera. So the U.S. Bowl, and it was kind of a, it was a really a nice visit to Washington. We we thought we were going to get our pictures made with John F. Kennedy, but it was uh, what was his brother the uh, Tur- Robert Robert Kennedy. Well, I've got I've got a long rollout picture of all the players in the U.S. Bowl, East and West or whatever, and John. Uh, yeah. Robert Kennedy is in the middle right there. We went to the White House, went to the, um, what was it, the Smithsonian Institute, went to the FBI building, you know, they had a... And so there were some, you went to the FBI building and there were some checks on the wall? Yeah, there were some some bad checks that some people had accepted and given the person that presented it, that he had given the money, like one was like for $300, and it... Uh, it filled it out down there, and it got down there on the on the signature, and the signature was uh, capital U, capital R, last name was Stuck. You are Stuck. <laughs> and the other one that they had up there was, again, for quite a bit of money. And the signature was a capital N, a capital O, and the last name was Good, N-O, no good, <laughs> you know. So And people took them, you know. That's a, so that was all interesting. You know, we really had a good visit. We uh, played... The, I don't know whether we were west and they were east, but the uh, team we played had the quarterback from Penn State. Uh, again, I don't remember his name. Uh, Galen, 
He became, he was an assistant at Oklahoma, became a head coach at Florida, but he, he he was not even being looked at by the pros, as I understand it. And he threw about four touchdown passes, and they beat us 36-3 to three or something like that. And uh, he got the pros, was drafted by the pros at that time. But anyway, as I came off the field, Buck O'Kiltrell, this guy's coming toward me. He's big. He's got dark hair, thick hair, handsome guy, weighs about – 280 looks like and uh, comes up and sticks his hand out and said George said I'm Bucko Kilroy Philadelphia Eagles and he said he had a contract to sign which I signed it I didn't look at it and uh, then he uh, gave me a check for $1,500 that was my bonus and uh, you know I talked to Lance Allworth later on and he said you know I didn't know much of Lance this is Lance saying I didn't know much about this you know signing or whatever and he got his bonus was ten thousand dollars now he should have gotten a hundred thousand but uh back in those days you know though they didn't start the big bonuses i think until the american football league started competing with them and that's when they got into the money and then television came up but anyway uh, so i had fifteen hundred dollars i came back to federal and uh got in my car and got ready for a fall semester which i might say i made a 3.4 that fall semester <laughs> yes i did that's pretty good you know that's that's all a's and one b but anyway that i should have done more of that earlier but that's another story and so you then you went to, to training camp with the pro i went to training camp for the eagles at hershey pennsylvania uh they had uh some of the guys they had up there uh sonny jurgensen was a quarterback he threw the most beautiful pass i've ever seen uh, the backup quarterback was King Hill from Rice. Uh, Played for Jess Neely. Uh, yeah, that's who I'm competing against at quarterback. But they also, it was the last year of Chuck Bidnarik, one of the great linebackers of all time. If you remember, he he hit uh, Gifford and put him out. Basically, he ruined his career. He clotheslined him in the Bednarik still looked like, I mean, he was, I don't know whether he was Swedish or what, but he looked like he was a statue, chilled. I mean, just like a statue, you know, a great-looking guy. But And they had, uh, I say, one of the linebackers was an All-American from Georgia Tech, uh, red-headed guy. Maxie Bone. Maxie Bone. Maxie Bone. That was just interesting. You know, we stayed at the YMCA right across from the Hershey factory, and I wanted to go over there and get some Hershey bars. You know, you smell that chocolate. But, uh, and the other, they had another guy, uh, well, let's see, a uh, guy that played at Oklahoma, Tommy, to, McDonald. Tommy McDonald. I mean, he was he was unbelievable. You know, you heard about Tommy McDonald. He never he never stayed on the ground when he got hit. He ran, ran to the huddle, back up. If he ran a pass route, he jumped up, and he did that in practice. It wasn't, you know, something he just did in the games, man. He would run out and catch a pass, jump up, come back to the huddle. And uh, an interesting thing, that at that time, they had uh, drafted a track star. At the time, I believe probably the fastest man in the world. His name was... Uh, Dave no, it was Bud. Uh, what was his first name? Uh, anyway... His last name was B-U-D-D, and he had run like a nine, whatever, two, five or something. Uh, and they figured, you know, if they can teach him to catch the ball, he's going to be a star. But I don't think he was ever able to to do that. But uh, I can't remember his first name. But I know we ran 40s, and I was in the one of the four people <laughs> in the line with him. And he's crossing that 40 up there, and I'm still on about the 30 or the 20. You know, I mean, he could fly. He was a, 
Frank Bud, I believe. Yeah, like Frank that. Bud, yeah. He was, oh, he's fast. But anyway, it was, it was good meeting those kind of people, uh, talking to them. They were real nice to us. And uh, I was there two weeks. Uh, I actually pulled a hamstring, but it wouldn't have made any difference. So, but uh, I'd never pulled anything. I didn't even know what a hamstring. didn't know I had a hamstring, but it was uh, the back of my leg was blue and red and orange. And went from my tailbone down to my knee. And, uh, of course, you can't play. And. I remember when I, they finally took off the bandages and I still was limping and they put me in there on defense and then uh, they threw a pass to a tight end right in my area. I was playing safety and of course I couldn't even get to him, much less catch him or whatever. And it, it probably would have been the same if I didn't have a full hamstring. But the next morning they were beating on the door and McKinney, McKinney, you know, coach, who was my coach? Anyway, Coach So-and-So wants to see you in his office. Bring your playbook. That's a sign you're not going to be around anymore. Anyway, so came back, like I say, came back to Fedville, went back home, came back up to student coach and uh, finish up my schooling. And then what did you do then? What did you, did, what did After you, I finished up? Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I was uh, fortunate. This was May, and I didn't have a job. Um and Coach uh, Broyles, I was down in, in in the coach's offices where they were having a little meeting, and uh, he called, you know, when I told him, yeah, I hadn't heard from a coach over at Southwest Missouri State. I didn't think, you know, they wanted you to be, to have a master's degree, and that was, whoa, no, I did not have a master's degree, but uh, he wanted me for the coach, but he couldn't, he couldn't hire me, and anyway, Coach Broyles called Tommy O'Boyle at Tulane University. And Coach O'Boyle's just happened, his defensive backfield coach had left oh, like a week before and gone to South Carolina. And, you know, by that time all the coaches out there had had a job. They generally, you know, they went to the coaches' clinic and they got jobs up there. So he needed a defensive backfield coach, and uh, I think Coach Broyles probably convinced him that I could do it, the job. And he came back in the conference room and uh, looked at me and said, you think you can coach the defensive backs at Tulane? And, of course, I said, yeah, well, you know, yeah, sure. And I remember Coach Dickey saying, sure he can. And that's the type of coaches we had, you know, that were up there. They they really supported you. They were positive. So I went, he wanted me to fly down, and uh, yeah, I did, and he hired me. And uh, so 1963, I coached at Tulane University, coached defensive backs. What did you do after that? Well, in uh, if prior, well, during that time, uh, I was talking to Barry Switzer. Barry was coaching at Arkansas, but at that time he had been in the Reserve Army or whatever for like six months, and he was on the staff at Arkansas. And when, uh, you know, I told him I got had the job, he said, well, you know, whenever you find out your recruiting area, said if it's around Shreveport, said, holler at me, because that's my recruiting area for Arkansas. So I'll be down at Shreveport recruiting. We'll get together. So anyway, uh, came around, you know, after the season, and I'm over at Shreveport, and um, I, you know, haven't talked to Barry, but uh, finally I called him up and said, you know, well, are you, were you here yet? And he said, no, I'm not going to be coming to Shreveport. And I said, you're not coming. I thought this was your area, whatever. No, he said, well, we've had a change, said, uh, I got to go to Dallas, said uh, Doug Dickey is on his way to Knoxville, Tennessee. 
and we feel like he's going to be hired as the new Tennessee head coach. And his his area was Dallas, so I'm got to go to Dallas, so I won't be able to come down there and meet you. And I tell you how naive I was, you know, the, when he said Doug Dickey was going to Tennessee, and I just coached at a school that won one ball game, and we're in the Southeastern Conference. Tulane was in the South. We played Ole Miss. We played Joe Namath in Alabama. <laughs> I mean, you know, one and nine. The school we beat was South Carolina. That's where that coach from Tulane had gone to that year. He <laughs> went to South Carolina, and, and he got beat by that. Anyway, I'm sitting there listening, and when Switzer says Doug Dickey's on his way to Knoxville and he might be the next, will be the next Tennessee head coach, my heart starts beating faster. Because I'd played under Doug Dickey, defensive back, for, and I've been around him for five years. So I'm talking to Barry, and I said, so Coach Dickey, you think he's going to be the next head coach there? And Barry said, yeah, they know that. He, he's going to take the job. And I got to go to Dallas. I said, well, Barry, you think Coach Dickey would hire me? Switzer says, well, he might, you know. So I said, well, Barry, would you call him and uh, ask him? That's how naive I was, you know. I remember Switzer saying, hey, if you want the job, call him yourself. <laughs> I said, okay, what's his number? He said, well, here's Joanne. He gave me Joanne Dickey's number, Doug's wife in Fedville. I called her, and she told me where he was, uh, going to be staying in Knoxville. And I called him, and he, uh, and I don't know whether this is true or not, but this is just the way these coaches were, and Coach Dickey was. He said, uh, he said, well, George, I've been thinking about you. I don't know if that's true or not, but that sounded good. You know, it made me feel good. He said, I've got some uh, coaches I've got to talk to up here in Knoxville, but where can I get a hold of you if I need to talk to you? So I gave him my phone number, Tulane. I went back to New Orleans, uh, came in the office on a Monday. I had coaches, boys, surrounding me wanting to know about, are you leaving? Are you going to Tennessee? I said, what do you mean? Uh, you know, like the, I was acting like I probably was, kind of dumb. But these guys had already known that Doug Dickey had been named the head coach at Tennessee. And I said, I haven't talked to Doug Dickey. I lied again. <laughs> and they, uh, and some of them said, well, if you don't go, would you put in a good word for me? <laughs> I, I said, I'll be glad to. Well, the next morning, I think it must have been Tuesday morning, I came in to the office. Our offices, by the way, were under the, the Sugar Bowl. It was Tulane Stadium. That was where we played at the Sugar Bowl, and that was kind of a thrill to be have offices, you know, in the Sugar Bowl, one of the great bowls. But anyway, I came in the office, and um, one of the coaches came up. We had an offensive backfield coach. His name was Johnny Menger, played at Georgia Tech, great little scat back. One of the things that was great, I mean, other than, you know, the one ball game we won at Tulane, my defensive coordinator, there was a guy named Bill Orangeberger. He had been at Kentucky and had gotten fired. He was at Tulane. They got fired the year after I left. Went on to become the greatest defensive coach in the National Football League. He was the coach of the uh, Killer Bees at Miami when they were 17-0. and 0. Uh, He was, he was uh, with uh, uh, the Baltimore Colts coach that yeah. went. Don Shula, he went, he went to Baltimore. He uh, went to Baltimore from Tulane when they, when they got – the whole staff got fired. But uh, – you know, and he, and he went with uh, Shula to Miami, and it was, and he was so much different from some of the coaches. I mean, he 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 looked like a college professor, and he was wore glasses, and he was mild mannered, 
but he coached that defense. You know, he was a teacher. He was like a, you know, he was a teacher. And we got beat, but we played some some people pretty good, you know, as uh, bad as we were. And we, we you know, we had Did you hear from Dudge Dick, uh, Coach well, Dickey? Yeah, that, that, the next day when I came in the office, here comes those coaches' assistants again and said, well, you've been lying to us, hadn't you? I said, no, I, what are you talking about? You know, I said, well, Doug Dickey has left a message with the receptionist for you to call him, but you need to go. I said, oh, yeah, boy, my heart is going 5,000 beats a minute. <laughs> About to come out of my chest anyway, so uh, I go talk to the reception. She said, and Coach, Bro- Coach O'Boyle's office was up on the second floor, and we were all down on the first floor. So I go up and, you know, go into his office, and he, he, he's real nice. He, he was a very good friend, Tommy O'Boyle, with uh, Hank Stram, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs at the time, I think, or maybe they were the Dallas Texans, I'm not sure. But anyway, he acted as a coincidence, and he starts out saying, you know, really – Really proud of the, or happy with the job you did this year. You did a great job, and at the time I was when I started, I was making seven thousand a year, which that wasn't bad in 1963. He said, "I want to give you a ten thousand, a two thousand dollar raise, not a ten, a two thousand dollar raise, so I'd be making nine thousand dollars." He said, "But Doug Dickey wants to talk to you at Tennessee, and uh, you know I hope you'll stay, uh, but I think he wants to hire you." And I coach Coach Roy, oh boy, I, you know, I appreciate that. You know, I'm known Coach Dickey, but uh, I do need to talk to him. And I was just waiting to get out of there and <laughs> make that phone call because I knew what I was going to do. You know, I knew what Doug Dickey, what kind of coach he was. I knew a little bit about Tennessee's uh, history and uh, General Neyland and that uh, they had been great football teams and had a great history. But most of all, I knew Doug Dickey's background. So I went and called him, and he said, George, I've got one position left. It's assistant freshman coach. He said it pays $7,000 a year, which was what I was making, but I was also going to get a raise. But he started to say something else, and I said, Coach, when do you want me there? (laughs) And you'll have pardon me if I get emotional because these were some of the wonderful times of my life. He said, well, you need to get up here as soon as you can. We're behind in recruiting. He said, told me there was a hotel there in Knoxville, uh, Andrew Johnson, I think it was. He said, uh, I'll have you a room at the Andrew Johnson. said, when you get here, just check in, and uh, we'll get together, and uh, I'll send you over to North Carolina. they got a quarterback over there that's committed to North Carolina State, but we knew, we want to get him. Well, I went over there. I didn't get him, but we, uh, anyway, the rest, you know, we had six years at Tennessee, uh, good years, two SEC championships. The Litkenhouse number one team in the nation one year. Litkenhouse based it on strength of schedule, I think. And at uh, in 1967, he said Tennessee had the strongest schedule in the nation. And uh, even though we didn't, we lost two games. Uh, but anyway, that that's considered a national championship. Alabama considers it. Anybody that got it has it up on their wall. So that's considered at Tennessee a national championship. So. I coached on a national championship team and uh, had two All-American uh, defensive backs, and uh, it was some good years. We played Alabama and Bear Bryant six times, and it was five, no, what, three, two, and one. We won three, Alabama won two, and we tied one. So we had a Coach Dickey and his staff had a winning record against uh, Alabama. And uh, 
One of the coaches on his uh, original staff was Charlie Coffey, who came to Arkansas later on as defensive coordinator. And uh, Charlie had played at, at Tennessee, was a captain there. Uh, we had uh, Billy Majors, who was the younger brother of Johnny Majors. And uh, there was some, let's see, you had uh, a coach had hired a player that had played for Coach Royals at Missouri. Charlie Rash was our offensive line coach. And, uh, and uh, let's see, we had a... Uh, I'm not sure. Bobby Jones, I think, played quarterback at Baylor. He was an uh, end coach. And um, defensively, uh, we had a fellow named Vince Gibson who went on and coached at Kansas State and uh, Tulane and Louisville. Uh, Vince passed away a couple of years ago. He had Lou Gehrig's disease, but he was a brilliant. And he, he took the monster defense, and he was just like not at quite like, but he was good at it, like Jim McKenzie was. And uh, we played some good defense. Had some good players. And George, let, let me go back a little bit, uh, ask you some kind of miscellaneous question. Number one, what year were you inducted into the Hall of Honor at Fayetteville, uh, Razorback Hall? 2008, I believe. It was 2008. I will tell you this. You made one of the best speeches that had been made in the first place. It was poignant, but number two, it was short. And and, and if, if you were a star that night, uh, we were great all honor, tickled. Great honor, you know. I had uh, we, uh, uh, Orville Henry's son. Is that Clay Henry? Yeah. Uh, he called me up and wanted to know. Uh, he wanted to know what you know. How how about this honor? I mean, what does it mean to you? And I said, now nah, that's going to be part of my speech, Clay. I can't tell you. He said, well, come on, I won't. Write. Anyway, I said, you know that uh, you know I didn't. Well, basically, I didn't make All American. Uh, I didn't play in the pros. I didn't win a Heisman. So this is my Heisman trophy. Yeah, I and, remember uh, that very well. I got tears in my eyes. I get tears in my eyes now. You know, it's just when you... Let me go back to the 1962 season when you were a junior. Wait a minute. 60, 60 year, when, 1960 when you were a junior. Uh, I believe that you threw three touchdown passes and helped set up Mickey Sissel's winning skill. Field goal in the pork and the Razorbacks 24-23 win over the Texas Longhorns. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes, and sir. Sports Illustrated named you the back of the year, uh, week because back of, the of week. that. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked Monroe about it, and and he was a student coach that year, and he said, "I knew he would." And McKinney was quoted as saying, "I can't believe it." Yeah. All right, let's go to the next year now. Uh, <clears throat> You gained 1,920 yards your senior year by rushing and passing. That's during your three-year tenure. And you passed the great Clyde Scott by one yard in the career total offense listings in the UA, U of A record book. You run the Texacana, Texas product, rushed for 509 yards and, was, and passed for 1,411 in 59 through 61. That was a great thing that you did there well i didn't realize that uh, i did all of that of course you know you put that up to what they do today that the, some of them do that in two games but uh, <laughs> it was different it was different back then we're talking know. about then yeah but... and, and you had to play both ways i mean yeah. you had to play defense and you had to play offense and uh, yeah but those were uh, 1960 the win against texas of course that was special to all of us because uh, you know the longhorns were the our probably most hated uh, football team. I don't hate anybody anymore. I found out that don't get you anywhere. 
and uh, but beating them in Austin on the regional TV uh, and coming from behind and the way we did it, you know, it was just a, a huge win and uh, it uh, I can, you know, just about ever play, uh, not ever play, that's impossible, but uh, I, I do remember that, uh, you know, first quarter it was nothing, nothing. Uh, we kind of went back and forth and uh, punted back and forth and then second quarter, Texas jumped ahead 14 to nothing. I mean, all of a sudden, man, we'd fumbled the ball on our one-yard line, and they went right in and scored, and then uh, they kicked off, we punted, and they returned it back down, and they scored again, and it was 14 to nothing. And, you know, I'm looking around saying, you know, what's going on? It's another, you know, Texas beating Arkansas thing. And, and you know, back then, I'll build, if, if you were at the ball game, they had a cannon, a big old cannon, that they had in their end zone and it was in the end zone where they scored those two touchdowns and each time they scored they shot that at, I think it was a howitzer it was so loud but I was it was right behind me I was on, playing on defense right there and they shot that thing off and I jumped I thought something somebody done shot at me or something that uh, anyway you know we're down 14 to nothing and uh, we get the ball with about two minutes left in the half and we start moving down the field, uh, just a little short pass here, a little jump pass there. Uh, we got fourth and two, and Lance Allworth picks it up on a, just a halfback dive, and he made it all on his own. And we make a first down, and uh, we get down there. We're on about uh, about the 15-yard line, and uh, I've called a play, and the clock is on about 10 seconds left in the half, and we don't have any timeouts. And so I've called a play. We're lined up, at, uh, and I'm getting ready to put my hands under center and start calling down set. And Mickey Sissel's running on the field. Not Mickey, I'm sorry. I get Sissel. He's, he was the star of the game. But Jimmy Collier's running on the field. He's our right end. And he's screaming at me, throw back, throw back. Well, we've got a play that's a 59 throwback or 54 throwback or 56 throwback. Well, I know Collier's the right end so i know which throwback he's talking about it's one where i'll sprint away from him and throw back to him but i can't think of the number i cannot figure well you know so and plus we're down on the 20 25 second clock we're down to about two seconds to snap the ball so i just yelled to the lineman throw back throw back they look up at me one of them says which way and i say down set and so I sprint out, and Collier curls on about the five-yard line. There's probably a little hook, and he's open, and I fortunately get the ball to him. He makes a move on their safety, goes in, scores a touchdown, no time left on the clock. And we kicks, Cecil kicks extra points, so we go in 14-7. We got some momentum going, you know, and we're feeling good. And I, I think uh, it's, it's in the newspaper, Coach Broyle said that, I don't remember this, but said that I told him, I said, Coach, we can throw on these people. And so we came out, and we uh, got the second-half kickoff, and we ran a play that they put in that week. It was kind of a fake to the fullback and reverse out the quarterback, which held those linebackers that Texas had. And I threw it to Jimmy Collier again, and he gained about 36 yards. And now we're moving down the field. You run a sweep with all work. You run a handoff to somebody else, Paul Dudley. And all of a sudden, you know, throw a little short pass in the flat. 
and we're down on their three-yard line. Call a jump pass, and I can't remember whether it's Steve Butler or Jim Gaston, but one of them, it was, they were right in between two Texas defenders, and they caught the ball and just took it away from them. Now we're tied. Sissel kicks extra point. We're feeling really good. Uh, going, the game progresses. We're back and forth. We punt. Texas gets down in uh, our end of the field, and they kick a field goal. The guy, the kid at that time, the guy kicks the field goals, Dan Petty. He was a high school teammate of mine. He went to Texas. I went to Arkansas. He uh, Good friend of yours. Good friend. Very good friend. Went on to be a very uh, outstanding professional person. Was on the Cotton Bowl Committee for 30-something years. He passed away about three years ago. Uh, had a heart problem. But just an outstanding person. And... Uh, uh, he was over uh, some position in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where he worked to get all of those cities, suburbs, small towns around Dallas-Fort Worth to come together on any agreements about infrastructure and things like that. Let's go back to the Texas game. Uh, the te- go ahead. Uh, no, yeah, that's Texas. And, uh, so anyway, it's uh, Danny Petty. He kicks the field goal, makes it 17-14. to 14. And uh, then... Um, we can't do anything. We can't move the ball. So Texas gets it uh, probably in the early of the fourth quarter, and they move down the field again, and they score a touchdown. Now it's 23-14. to 14. And Darrell Royal was a brilliant coach. He saw, I believe, in his mind that we're able to score. We've done it. We scored 14 on them throwing the ball. So he goes for two. It's gonna, he's going to make it 25. So if we ever come back, we got to go for two to – win the ball game or tie the ball game. And we're talking about Wayne Thumper Harris. They run the fullback off tackle, and Harris stops him on the line of scrimmage. And now, I'm not sure this is correct, but my memory tells me that we were offside. So they get a second shot at it from the one. They run another play off tackle, and Wayne Harris stops them at the line of scrimmage, and they don't make the two-point conversion. So it's 23-14. to 14. Well, it's getting, I guess, I don't know. So, oh, we move the ball. We get down to the 19-yard line, and we call the throwback pass, which this time I know the number because I'm in the huddle, and it's 54 <laughs> throwback. And Jerry Williams, who, as you know, is a highly successful, highly respected coach, won three state championships at Springdale, He's at left half, and he's down the sideline wide open. And uh, it's about a 19-yard pass. Gerald talked about it said, yeah, it looked like a wounded duck. <laughs> I said, well, you caught it for a touchdown, didn't you? <laughs> anyway, but I looked at it on film later, and it wasn't. It was, it was a nice spiral. But anyway, <laughs> Williams scored. Darrell Royal, Coach Broyles, I heard him tell this one time, but Darrell Royal said on that pass, said, your quarterback didn't even look at the receiver. He just turned and threw it. And I might have. I don't know. But <laughs> I, th- I think I probably saw him out of the corner of my eye. Anyway, it was a touchdown. Sissel kicks his third extra point now. It's 21-23. And we're back and forth and back and forth. And uh, with about three minutes left, we punt. And we hold Texas, and they can't make a first down. And they punt back to us, and Harold Horton, little old Harold, just a real north-south runner back then. He could he could uh, make yardage. He returned that punt from about 
I think it's about hour 39 to about there 44, 45, something like that. We got in there end of the field. So now we're just trying to get down close enough for a field goal, and there's about two minutes left, and that clock is running. We've got one timeout left. Anyway, we uh, we, we do handoffs. We do pitch sweeps, uh, uh, just not plays that are not something that we might fumble on. But we get down to, I think it's, I'm thinking it's the 17, maybe the 19-yard line. Uh, it's about the 20, I guess. And we've got timeout. And I remember we're on the 20, and Mickey Sissel's coming into the game with a kicking tee. And he's wanting to – and I, I send him off the field because if we're on the 20, I know that that might be a little long for, Missy, for Mickey, but the thing about it, we were on the hash mark, and I knew that we, we'd been coached to get the ball in the middle of the field, and we had time. You know, it was about 30 seconds left, something like that. We had time, and we had one timeout left that we could call and get Sissel out there with a timeout. So I called a play that was kind of a handoff to the a bullet, a belly play where a quarterback reverses out, hands off to the fullback. Well, this was going to be a fake to the fullback. And we were on the right hash mark, but I was going to keep it because I knew where the middle of the field was, and I knew where I needed to get to. Well, fortunately, I gained eight yards on the play down to the 12-yard line, and the ball's in the middle of the field. And I called timeout, and, like, there's about 15 or 20 seconds left on the clock. And so Cecil comes in the game, and uh, I don't know whether he's nervous, but I remember my hands. I was the holding. I was the holder. You know that guy's pretty important too. You know, <laughs> you, but I was. My thought was, don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. Don't drop the ball. Don't fumble it. And my hands were shaking, literally, waiting for the snap from center. But anyway, center snaps the ball. Cecil kicks it, and it is right down the middle. But I don't know if it's long enough. And in Sports Illustrated, they had an article in it after that game, and that ball is maybe one inch over the crossbar. So Did he it hit the crossbar. Uh, no, it didn't hit it, but it it, it was just. Did it hit it? I, I don't know. I, 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 I think it cleared it by maybe. Well, whatever. But it was it was good. Twenty four, twenty three. Daryl Royal knew if he'd have made two, you, we couldn't be kicking that field goal. You know, he's a pretty smart coach. But anyway, they got the ball. Oh, yeah, they still there was about 15 or 20 seconds left on the clock, and uh, they got the ball on the kickoff and got back to about the, their 40-yard line, and they threw they threw a hell mary, but it didn't even get to about our 40. Guess who intercepted it? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Last play McKinney. of the game, I intercepted the pass. Their their hail mary and everything, but it was on about our probably our 30-yard line where as far as it got to, but. All right, George. I want to. I've been. I don't want to forget this. I was at a at a, uh, a Washington County Bar Association meeting one time way back there, and this of course is after you was out, and you were out of school in, and I don't even remember what year it was, but it was a good while after you'd been there, and Coach Broyles was a speaker, and somebody he had a little question and answer session. Somebody said, "How did you rate uh, George McKinney as quarterback?" And he said, well, of course, he was one of my first quarterbacks. And he said, George couldn't run very fast. He couldn't throw a very good pass. Uh, he said, but he was football smart. And even you had to win football games. And he won football games for us. And uh, 
Yeah, that was similar, Bill. Uh, that was similar to something he, I've got a clipping on it somewhere in my little scrapbook at uh, Sports Writer. Uh, our senior year in 61 was up the, you know, they came up the media days, whatever they called it. I'm not sure whether it was Orville Henry or one of the guys from Tulsa, but they were talking about, you know, players and uh, got down to the quarterbacks and said, well, Coach, what about uh, what about your quarterback, George McKinney? And Coach Bowles, and this is in the paper, he said, well, he can't run and he can't throw. He just wins. <laughs> and I thought that was the greatest compliment <laughs> you could have. Uh, well, George, let's shut it down. Right, that's good for me. I'm, I'm I, re- of, I really appreciate you doing this. This yeah. is important Razorback history. It's, it's and a, you were part of it. It's pal. my honor. I, it was, I, I love the Razorbacks. I love the years at Fedville. And, uh, and again, Bill, like you know, the friendships we made, and we made friendships other than the athletes, but yeah. the, those were special, you know. It's kind of uh, like being in a foxhole. Yeah, well, I, I, I have never been there, so I wouldn't compare it. But, you know, there's like uh, Joe Paul Alberti became an orthopedic surgeon. He gave me a hip replacement in 1999. Yeah. And uh, and you talk about Bill Tranum as an oncologist. I was his roommate. You know, those are those we, are things we you gonna, don't forget. We're going to meet the, uh, those seven or eight of us that have stayed – Thick are going to meet for the Tulsa game that's this year for right. our annual reunion. And in 2020, where are we going? I don't know. Oh, we're going to Notre Dame. We're going to Notre Dame. We're going to, to touch down Jesus and we'll put a hex on her. We're going to catch a train from uh, Chicago. Yeah. To, well, that, you're going to have to handle that. I'll, I'll take care of it. <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you very much. Go Hogs. You've been listening to Primary Sources, a production of the Central Arkansas Library System. For more information, please visit cals.org and butlercenter.org. Join us next time to hear more from people making a difference in Little Rock and Arkansas.